for a lot of the chief best friends, and it doesn't matter if your friends are just business partners, any relationship, it's that trust and respect. So if you trust that this person is going to do their job and you respect their decision, everything else should follow. If without that, then it's going to fall downhill. Covering the Asian podcasting scene. Hello, hello. This is your host, Norm. Welcome to Podlovers Asia, where we talk about anything and everything related to Asia's podcasting ecosystem, interviewing hosts, producers, and thought leaders in the podcasting space. Really, just conversations with interesting people. And we are going to go next door to Singapore to talk to a rising star, actually already a star, in Asia's podcasting, the host of Chief Best Friends, Nikki Torres. On a mission to reach out to thriving women and deconstructing their success stories, Nikki Torres, the host of Chief Best Friends, talks to business partners who are actually best friends to see how can they thrive in their startup or their idea or their business whilst keeping a healthy relationship with each other, which is a very interesting angle with two seasons and guests of two or more women being the driving force behind the voices of female founders and entrepreneurs everywhere. I've known Nikki for a while. We were on the same panel to talk about Asian podcasting in the Asia Podcast Summit of 2018. And I thought I'd reach out to her after her launch of season two to see how she is doing. So in this episode, we talked about how Chief Best Friends started, its missions, its values, and the impact that Nikki is trying to provide and the impact that Nikki is aiming for with this show the other podcast ideas that she's had, and pitching this show on Splice Beta, the event for Asia's digital media transformation, the lack of awareness and biases that we tend to have in the VC world, the business world, and the startup world, what are the different issues and barriers that women have to tackle all the time when trying to get their business up and running, and how she chooses her guests, because this is such a strict criteria women best friends who are amazing in business as well. And we went freeform talking about the nuances in Asia's podcasting ecosystem and its differences between the Western markets from cultural to language barriers. So this is quite a wide-ranging conversation. I hope you enjoyed the ride. Let's dive into my chat with Nikki Torres of Chief Best Friends. I know that you've been working on this for quite a while already and that I mean we might as well just get right into it but honestly very very informal that you've been okay. podcasting from your <laughs> podcasting from your floor because I've yeah. seen a couple of pictures on Twitter as well from like your setup which is pretty fantastic yeah uh, that despite the pandemic and despite other things happening you're still working on uh, Chief Best Friends I really honestly wanted to reach out because I just wanted to see one how are you doing and to to really do a little bit of time travel back because we've known each other from Asia Podcast Summit, which is quite a while back. Like, yeah, almost a year or more back. Yeah, I yeah, think. almost yeah, almost a year or more back. <laughs> and we we had the panel where we were talking about Asian podcasting, and then you know you brought your perspectives on this. So I actually really wanted to hear your take on everything related to podcasting from your point of view. Okay. But, Nikki, before we get right into that, I might as well welcome you to Pod Lovers Asia. And 
would like to start off with the very first question. How did you start the podcast? Because we're going to have to go all the way back to Splice on the stage where you've presented the idea. Oh and I never, I've never heard the story. So like, oh. I'm really curious. Yeah, I'm really curious to hear like your end on the story. Yeah, actually, there are a couple of ways. So like when a lot of people ask, like, how did I start the podcast? There's the more, um, I guess, process driven part of it, right? Like really, like, how did I start it? And then there's also the reason why I started it. Yeah. But to be honest, I really wanted to start a podcast back in 2012. <laughs> oh, wow. and, and I have pictures of me. I got a mic. But I think back then I wasn't ready. And I didn't really have a show in mind uh, and all of that. And it was only, I think, late 2018 where I read a book called Playing Big by Tara Moore. And that book basically opened me up to a lot of things um, of how women are playing small, basically. So the book was really kind of like a process. And I go through this book almost every year since I've read it to just remind me of this process of really putting myself out there. And I thought, why not do it again as a podcast? And I think back in 2018, I had a couple of ideas. I actually had three podcast ideas. Would you believe? Oh, oh wow. Okay. <laughs> so from zero ideas to three, I decided to share that around with uh, podcast listeners that I know. Because we know, right, like a podcast listener is kind of like a creature of its own. <laughs> <laughs> especially back then like a lot of yeah. people don't even know what podcasts are how do you even listen to it so like it's a very um i don't know it's just a, a totally different kind of con uh, consumer of media a podcast listener so i shared with them these three ideas that i have and so far they said that chief best friends which back then was just a working title they said that this one um seemed to be like very niche and they think that it's the kind of conversation that we need to be having uh, mm. that's not being talked about. So for your listeners, Chief Best Friends is basically a podcast helping women cultivate meaningful friendships. And it was really born out of the question of whether we could um, combine friendship and business together. I'm sure a lot of people have kind of like grown up thinking, oh, you shouldn't start a, a business with your best friend, right? Or you should you should separate your personal and professional life when you're at work. But I realized that not just for women, but for any gender really, is that having that kind of community at work, that kind of really good relationships helps you be more successful at work and in life. And obviously for women, um, there are way more, I guess, things going on for us um, with this whole diversity issues uh, coming up and the kind of tokenism that happens because people are pushing for diversity. So there's the real diversity and then there's the tokenism part. And because of that, we tend to be in competition with one another. Mm. And that's where I kind of like want to tell people like, if we're aware, we can actually turn this into more of a collaboration and make sure that everyone's working together to make all of us successful rather than um, competing with one another and bringing everyone down in the process. It's a beautiful mission. <laughs> and I really want to ask about how you pitched that idea on the splice stage, but... Before then, I can't let this go. What were the other two ideas that you had? The other oh, two shows? Oh my gosh, I actually don't remember. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but hang on, because I have, I have an Evernote. It might be here. Okay. Um, it's not. Okay, no worries. 
Maybe yeah. I, can, I can bother you again later on, like if you find it or something like that. <laughs> oh, 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 no, no, no. I do. I do remember one of them at least. Um, I wanted it to be a four person podcast, which is quite crazy, right? Because uh, yeah. back then I used to live in a household. We were, um, there were four of us, all different backgrounds, different races, different age. And I thought it would be, it would be exciting to kind of like, bring all of us together and have a conversation about a topic. But even back then, the concept that I was trying to drive at was still about friendship. And even with that podcast idea, it was more of like, you know, most friends, you just meet them, you have coffee or go for drinks. Everything seems very, not trivial, but everything is always happy. We're, we're not used, I don't know if it's an Asian thing as well, where we're not used to having the tough conversations or talking about mm. money or the difficult stuff. So I wanted to kind of like use us as an experiment where I would throw questions and everyone would be uncomfortable. But it's a great way to kind of like learn about each other. Like you don't know what people's stance are about certain issues, even for your friends. And it's probably a good way to get to know each other. So that was one of them. But even back then, it was always about friendship. So yeah. <laughs> Interesting pattern there. And I, I really do agree on that. Um, maybe it is, it could be an Asian thing, but I, I, I mean, I see it in other countries as well. It, it may just seem more prevalent, especially yeah. when we have different cultural nuances like saving face or I know, about ensuring a positive impression. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And not even with friends as well, just about how we portray ourselves in public uh, that we have to cater to certain, you know, normalities that people exactly. expect of us. And it's not really common for anyone to ask, I wouldn't say an uncomfortable question, but rather a question that requires deep thinking because mm. critical discussion isn't really, shall we say, taught or manifested enough in growing, say, the next generation of you know, people or individuals uh, yeah. who are going to be functioning members of society, they are doing just fine by not talking about things that are deeper than the usual trivial, like, oh my God, did you check out that big breakfast place at a cafe? Or, you know, oh something my- like that. Right? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, something beyond that. And I've noticed that as well. I guess this is a common pattern for podcasters because we realize that once we are put into a room, a Zoom room or whatever, and you stick to a topic and it's critical, you have this like one hour of gold where you want to ask the most powerful questions and you want to get like the best <laughs> answers as well. And when you land a great guest and you're like, okay, I have them here. I need to ask them everything. Well, not everything, like the most powerful, impactful questions. Because nine times out of 10, if you're the host of your show, people are going to view the world through your lens. So mm-hmm. they would want to hear your questions. So well, it's good to know that that you have this uh, friendship pattern. And yeah. It, <laughs> and with uh with chief best friends the idea now I, okay now i got the uh why it's called mini- chief best friends why it's called chief best friends <laughs> yeah yeah okay now that you explained it okay now it makes sense yeah but actually oh. it's a play on the the c suites right yeah yeah um chief marketing officer chief finance officer ceo whatever so this one is chief best friend um and i think because it was supposed to be kind of like a business podcast i thought of using that term but it was really a working title but i couldn't think of another name (laughs) (laughs) i i got stuck with it but i think it it works um it works yeah Yeah. it works really well especially with the mission that you're going like the mission behind it makes sense with that name maybe at Mm -hmm. first i I have to be honest at first because i didn't know what your show was about yeah i was a bit confused at the name i was like oh what 
And then I read the description. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I get it now. I, it connects. Like it connects yeah. <laughs> once you find out more about it. That's so, so good to hear. Then <laughs> <laughs> later on, how did you get into Splice to talk about it or to pitch the idea? Yeah. Um, well, I know Alan and from the kiss. Okay, basically, I know both of them because of their wives. So I used to work with their wives back when I was in an agency. Um, and so that's kind of like how I knew what they were doing, doing because their wives would say like, oh, they're doing all of these, they're doing splice and he has a newsletter, go sign up for it. And obviously having been working in media, but on the opposite side where I'm always pitching stories to media people, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, yes, media is super important for me. I definitely should sign up for this and all that. And obviously when I heard about Splice Beta, I was very excited to just actually join and be there. So to be honest, I um, I actually paid for my ticket to go there, but they had this section where new um, media companies, I guess, were starting out and I had a chance to pitch it to an auditorium full of people. And so while all of the other media were like uh, documentaries or like your straight up uh, online like news media companies mine was like a podcast which is quite different <laughs> um, but to me I was like I don't care I just want to tell people as many people as possible and in a room full of media that's kind of like the next best thing right because they would be probably the best people who might want to tell other people about it so I had four minutes to pitch chief best friends <laughs> <laughs> yeah but basically I, I had to I still have the presentation with me, but the way that I pitched it was really about mixing friendship and business together. Even back then, that's how I would talk about chief best friends um, because it was so much easier to tell people. And um, when I tell them, you know, when you grow up, people will tell you don't start a business with a friend. I want to dive a little deeper um, on that statement. And also I wanted to bring it back to women's experiences, especially in the workplace. And if you're a founder or a, a startup founder and you're looking for fundraising, there's a lot of gender bias in the VC world, in the fundraising world. And that totally changes the dynamic of everything. Like even if founders in general have the same kind of problem, the way that those problems um, show up in our lives are so different, even the way um, women navigate those solutions. So one of the situations that I always tell people is that if you have two CEOs, one of them is male, one of them is female, the female is always asked, well, who's taking care of the kids at home, mm, right? If you're okay. a woman CEO, but if the guy, nobody cares, they know that he has a wife at home taking care of the kids. <laughs> so even just that very simple example people get it on all get it a lot and i said like chief best friends is basically a way for us to really discuss a lot of these issues because while we're talking about business success and the friendships that we've built along the way it's really rooted in a lot of the systemic problems that we have especially for women so that's kind of like at the at the heart of it but obviously the the nice shiny part is the business and friendship yeah. portion of it but it, if you listen to some of the episodes sometimes it gets re it gets really deep especially for some of the chief best friends that i've interviewed who might have gone through pregnancy you know and how that affects how they view work how that affects family life and all of those things so yeah 
Yeah, I've listened to a few, and you get pretty vulnerable. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I I have to say that I did come in with a few assumptions, knowing that there could be either a bias or there are dynamics within the VC world and or the business world that are just heavily against uh, women. Or there's like this very, shall we say, unfair uh, social stigma that is against women. Yeah, uh, and sometimes it's not even like. Sometimes people don't know that yeah. it's a bias. So I spoke to a VC and he told me, actually, there's no bias in VC. And I'm like, that's why there's yeah. <laughs> bias in VC. <laughs> it's because people think that there isn't. But it's so ingrained in society. It's, I mean, we're not telling people that it's wrong. It's just like we need to be aware of it. Because if we're not, then there's no, we wouldn't be able to change it. And to be honest, this isn't just about men. Women also have our inherent biases, especially with kind of like the partners that we choose in life. That A lot of that is um, shaped by societal kind of like gender roles. So if you think about it, right, for a lot of the women that I speak to, they're very successful, they're very ambitious yeah. and all of that. And when you think about it, um, the kind of partner that they need in life, the guys, they need to be okay to kind of like be the breadwinner, to be earning more than a man. So even if while most women think that, yes, I want to earn more and all of that, at the end of the day, we're still, we're still part of society. So the way that we feel like, let's say our husbands or boyfriends should be or our partner, we always feel like, oh, he should be the breadwinner. Why am I, you know, sometimes there might be resentment, even though deep down in our hearts, we might think like, I actually want to earn more money. But at the end of the day, we're a, a victim or of those gender biases, because sometimes it's very hard for us to kind of like put, put those two together. So even for, for women, it's hard in, in a lot of respects. Yeah, I know it's, it's very, <laughs> very, very, very difficult to tackle, and I, I don't even know if I have any questions around that because <laughs> the more that we surface up these conversations, like especially with your show, uh, the more that we realize that some observations or some situations where we deem normal or mm -hmm. where we deem to be expected turn out to be hidden biases, or at least turn out to be actually things that are going against you know those that we care for. Yeah, but from a gender perspective, it is oppressing to a certain degree, or yeah. at least it is you know minimalizing their chances or minimalizing their opportunities, or these expectations are going against what they truly want, uh, and you know equality is at the heart of all of this. So I really wish for yeah. more on that. So there's something that you mentioned before that there are biases in the VC world, mm -hmm. and I am going in here blind with <laughs> pretty little to no knowledge about the VC world. So could you give me like a really quick rundown of how does the VC world work? And as an entrepreneur, if I were to try to get, say, funding uh, for my startup or anything, how does that diverge into, you know, different situations, whether I'm a man or I'm a woman? Yeah, good question. So I think for every founder, right, I feel like the most, the biggest thing for a lot of founders, if you're starting up, is I need to get I need to fundraise. I need to get VC back. That's kind of like the holy grail, so to speak, right? Like yeah. we see a lot of these news about, oh, this company raised a million dollars and whatever. And we kind of want to be that person. Yeah. But the thing is, venture capital is really all about fueling high growth companies. And unfortunately, a lot of the things that are high growth right now 
are still very male dominated industries. So like deep tech um, and anything to do with software. Right. Um, and if you think go if you go back, a lot of the software jobs and roles are still very heavily male dominated. Mm. So I think just in the nature of VC capital, where they only want to back high growth companies, then a lot of women are excluded um, with that. Um, so there's kind of like different ways of tackling it. But the thing is, what I've realized, especially after reading a lot about the VC space, is that you need to understand if your business is VC friendly. <laughs> oh, what does that mean? Yeah. So basically, it's really kind of like showing them either the potential of the market um, that you're trying to go after. What's the potential growth in that market? Do you think you are able to grow 20 percent? which is a crazy amount of 20%. Of I don't know now though, maybe it's like 5% with the, <laughs> with the global pandemic, but yeah. you know, it's really high growth. And so it's basically kind of like, to, once you go to a VC, you kind of like need to show them that you have traction already and that it's growing to the point where you cannot cope. So that's kind of like the inflection point. You are growing so much, you have so much demand that you are unable to service and provide for your consumers yeah. or your audience. And at that point is when the visas will come and give you money so that you can scale your operations and be able to provide uh, and sell more. So really, that's the inflection point that they're looking at. Um, and that's really what the VC world is about. There are other fundraising options, though, so like crowdfunding, um, family and friends, <laughs> <laughs> um, and all of those things, which a lot of people can start thinking about. Because if you think about it, not all businesses are supposed to be explosive, right? There are a yeah. lot of things that we do in life where it's just good, or sometimes it's profitable, but not high growth, right? Um, there are a lot of high growth companies, but the, the, the profitability is not there yet, but they have a lot of demand and they need to supply that demand. And that's where VCs come to help you. And I think the way that a lot of VCs think about it as well is they, they want the founders to need that money because otherwise that's, that's the way that they get um, equity, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's kind of like the, the inflection point is like, I'm growing so much that I need funding in order to sustain it. Um, and so you're willing to give like 50% of your shares because you know that if your company is growing 20% year on year, that's a big 50%, <laughs> right? So you're willing to, get, to give it away. Um, so that's, that's the difference. And unfortunately for a lot of women, the kinds of problems that we want to be solving are very skewed to, to our needs, just because we see that a lot of the solutions that are coming out, out there, uh, doesn't really cater to us. But I, I've seen a lot of, um, females go after, um, the life cycle of women. So, for example, from, let's say, early stage pregnancy and stuff like that, oh, all the okay. way down to, to children or whatever. So um, they're building kind of like healthcare as well around the life stages of women. Because unfortunately, those are the things that we cannot really escape from. We go through puberty, <laughs> our <laughs> monthly cycles, we get pregnant, we have kids, we raise kids um, and all of that. And that's super important for us. So. I've seen a lot of women kind of like going to this space. I feel like for women, it's the education space and the health space that we're really very interested in. And there's a lot of VCs that actually support these kinds of industry 
case. Um, but yeah, but it, it, to your other question about, you know, the biases, the basically a lot of the questions that have popped up is that for men, and the thing is, it's not just about VCs, it's also in the job market, right? Like, mm. or if we're gunning for a promotion or a job, basically for men, the interviewer, whether a guy or a girl, um, ask a guy or sees a guy based on his potential. This is why you have guys who m- might only have 40% of what the job description is looking for and still apply. <laughs> because ah. for a lot of people, they're like, oh yeah, I think this guy has potential. He can grow. He can become a manager or whatever, a director. We can promote him after a year. For women, it's totally different. We have to protect that. So we have to come in at 100%. And the way that VCs also ask, um, also ask, female founders is how are they able to go after those markets so it's not so much as um potential but more of like how are you protecting this space um or your market so it's, it's very different like even the way yeah. that the questions that they ask and it's so interesting because a lot of people might not see that they're asking very different question and that totally informs the way that they see a person based on their answer so a lot of women have been coached that if a founder asks you about this, you can answer, but then you can also talk about the potential of the market just to bring it back to to that. And yeah, so <laughs> there's there's a lot more <laughs> stuff that goes into that, but it's interesting to see. Yeah, that's that's insane. I never would have thought about it that way. Seems like for women, you have to take extra steps just to reframe it back to the potential part which yeah. is supposed to be the main topic of discussion for either yeah. for a raise or maybe for a funding or even for like a business collaboration, yeah. which does bring up a next point on Chief Best Friends itself, since yeah. we do have to talk about how <laughs> business is done through, you know, this continuing friendship between two people who may or may not know each other beforehand and they enter a business relationship together. So that's yeah. like two layers uh, of relationships right there. We know about that phrase where like you shouldn't enter a business with your friend. Yeah, uh, I I'm always going under the assumption that once you involve money, you're risking your friendship. Mm. It seems like a very safe risk, but it feels like to me your show is advocating for that a friendship, even with the layer of business on top of it, is possible. And there are success stories, and that there are struggles. Yes, but even so, it is possible. So. Yeah. Could you tell me maybe what are the different ways where two friends who go into a business together try to navigate that business layer yeah. to maintain their friendship and be professional at the same time? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. This is like the crooks of Chief Best Friends. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's everything that Chief Best Friends is hinging on. Yeah. Um, the thing is, for a lot of people it's actually much easier to turn a professional relationship into a friendship oh okay so going that way versus a friendship suddenly going into a professional one where you start working so i totally understand the anxiety about suddenly introducing money (laughs) into your conversation and i think that really goes back to what we talked about earlier about you know saving face about oh we don't want to talk about difficult conversations because money is a difficult conversation yeah right um our earning potential is a difficult conversation starting a business requires us to really 
peel the layers of ourselves and our identity. We're constantly faced with our inner critic. And if you're going through that, the monsters come out, right? And if both of you are going through that, suddenly you have, it could feel like you have no capacity to be a friend to somebody because you're going through so many emotions building your business that it's hard to kind of maintain. So I, I totally acknowledge that. It's not something that the podcast says like, oh yeah, I should just blindly go into a business relationship <laughs> with your friend. But it's more of like, you know, and the thing is not all your friends would be good business partners, right? But the yeah. thing is what we're saying is if you have that friend that you love their work ethic, maybe you've seen them um, in their workplace, um, even if it's not the same as yours, but you see how how much they hustle, how much they love what they're doing and stuff like that. You could take a lot of what you admire about your friend and then bring it into a business setting and then find ways to navigate. So I've seen a lot of the guests that I've spoken to where they actually have a spreadsheet. <laughs> mm. um, so I think that's one of the really cool um, things that a lot of people can do is that with a lot of business relationships and even friendships, right? Any relationship, there might be some resentment maybe even at home you think like oh I'm doing the dishes again but actually I've never asked a friend to do it for me I've always just kind of like become a martyr and wanted to do the dishes myself and then it becomes a resentment forever right Um, these are kind of like unspoken like boundaries that we have but we are not communicating so having a business is actually a really great way to kind of like practice this and so I've seen some who put spreadsheets and kind of like write down everything that they need to do in the business and then they assign a person to it so at at least at the end of the day they're not oh I thought you're doing it or I'm always doing it you know (laughs) like so there there won't be those kind of discussion and that kind of like really helps um, maintain uh, the friendship because you are clear about what you need to do, who's in charge of what, and people aren't stepping on each other's toes. So those are some of the things that are I've heard a lot of people talk about is just really having clear cut delineations in terms of who's doing what in the business. And sometimes that can kind of like overlap, but in general, you should have your own domains that you own. And like, oh, if it's about marketing, this is my call. You can weigh in on it. But at the end of the day, I'm the one who's making the decision. And you just need to kind of like, okay, I trust your judgment. So I think for a lot of the chief best friends, and it doesn't matter if your friends are just business partners, any relationship, it's that trust and respect. So if you trust that this person is going to do their job and you respect their decision, everything else should follow. If without that, then it's going to fall downhill so whether or not it's just a friendship or it's just a business relationship or both having trust and respect has always been the theme that I hear over and over from our guests is that they really give each other the benefit of the doubt when things are tough Um, (laughs) which for some people is hard right Uh, surprisingly but for a lot of people there are they were able to kind of like have a really good, let's say, childhood friend transition to become a business partner. Oh. And one of the things that they 
manage to do is that they really say like, I know that my best friend is not going to screw me up. We're almost like sisters. And at the end of the day, when things are tough, they know that they are going to be able to work through any rough patch in the business versus if you're just like, oh yeah, I just met this person four months ago, we're co-founders. If things are tough, you're, it's so easy for you to just walk away because yeah, who's this person? I've only known this person four months. They're a blip in my whole life. I can just go find another person. Right. So yeah. being yeah. friends actually allows you to constantly choose each other and to constantly say like, yes, I understand that we're in a tough spot, but I love you. We're friends. We will get through this. And you are constantly showing up for that person. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's why it's like to me, the more I listen to their stories, I'm like, yeah, I totally get it now. Because you know, when I started the podcast, it was actually more a hypothesis and I wasn't the best believer of this kind of relationship. So to me, it's more of like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Let's see if there's some truth to it. And I think I was worried actually when I was like, am I even going to be able to find guests <laughs> for yeah, this show? Yeah, actually, because I was going to ask about that. Like you're, because not only are you building right? the show, it's really niche. Like you, you're building a show <laughs> Not only to prove something that you, you you yourself are not sure at the beginning, you also need to find guests who are able to argue for that motive, like mm. for that motion, like even from the first like witnesses, <laughs> yeah, like witnesses, right, or, and like testimonies from people who are actually friends. Like, how do you prove that they're friends and they're not business partners just two weeks ago? You know, that's a whole other thing. So yeah. I got I gotta ask, like, maybe in terms of criteria for guests, uh, yes, it's around women business partners and you have the angle of business but how do you choose who would be like best fit for your show do you know or like do you try to find evidence that they're friends beforehand or like <laughs> or what's your process for that yeah i actually ask them point blank do you consider yourselves best friends wow okay that's yeah cool. Um, I've had sisters as well come on the show and they're like, yeah, we're sisters. Sometimes we hate each other. Sometimes we don't. But at the end of the day, we're each other's best friends, you know? Um, and the thing is, even the word chief best friends can take on a lot of meaning for a lot of people. It could be about being co-founders. Some it's just co-workers. Some are like not even in the same industry. Um, but it's really having that person that you can bounce around with and who is just as invested in your success as you are in theirs. So to me, at the end of the day, it's really like that. But just because of the purposes of the podcast, they need to be in business with each other and their best friends. And yeah, I'm very straight up ask them, do you consider yourselves as best friends? And um, I've actually interviewed people where I, I didn't publish the episode. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, so it's not like every recording that I do, I publish. Sometimes it's hard to get them to be vulnerable as well. So I tell them that the best episodes so far are when people become vulnerable and really share the story and bring us into that moment in time when they've had a difficulty and they've had a rough patch in their business or in their friendship and they've made it through at the end of the line. So if they're not willing to share that, then the the episode is very flat and yeah. I would either not post it or I would say like, hey, can we do this again? <laughs> um, you know, so I'm I'm kind of like at that stage where I tell them this is what works and you need to really come in here with uh, those stories. But I think at the beginning as well, I had very different questions. But as, as I went through, I think maybe 
four, three or four episodes in with kind of like different questions, I refined it so that I really ask immediately kind of like the climax of their friendship, right? Um, which is normally uh, the problem that they've encountered. So I really like to jump into that immediately. Yeah, nice. but trying to find it was was tough. I think I knew a couple of businesses where two women were running it, but like you said, I don't know if they're friends. So yeah. all I could do was just pitch them. And normally if they like my podcast and they love the idea of friendship, they'll be like, oh my gosh, yes, totally. We totally feel this. Then there are those who don't respond or who like you, you can tell that they're not comfortable with the business and friendship portion because maybe they don't have that in real in their relationship right so they wouldn't say no but for the most part i've managed to research quite a big list of businesses that are run by two women and it's now just a matter of reaching out to them and seeing how excited they are to talk about their friendship <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i think the if you put it that way then the mission itself becomes a really good filter for even if they are two women running a business together are they a good fit like yeah the, the element of vulnerability there becomes such an important matter. And it's like, that's the goal that we look for in each and every episode, every time that we follow a show. Like yeah. these are the criteria that we look for. We subscribe to the show and we're like, okay, I know Nikki's next episode is going to be of another pair of amazing best friends who are great at doing business. I want to hear their take and probably to hear you deconstruct them. It's <laughs> probably going to be a very uh, interesting one. So it, yeah. it's quite... I have to say I'm not used to this dynamic the more that I listen to it. But that's what makes it really exciting uh, for me. I think that also shows my my potential, maybe lack of awareness. I was going to say ignorance, but that might not be the correct term. But maybe the lack of awareness of how little I know about this kind of dynamic and how little I know about you know how what women go through in terms of being in the VC world, being in a startup world, uh, trying to maintain all these while pushing against societal expectations or societal traditional impressions of what women should be. Yeah. Which is honestly, like, we should honestly throw it all away right now. Because, like, <laughs> we have so many guests. They're doing so well already. So, yeah. Anyway, minus uh, the little quick rant right there. Uh, <laughs> there, is, <laughs> there is there's something else as well that I want to ask Um because I think we wrote you wrote in your in our LinkedIn messages that you are trying to build a community around the show, and yeah. I'm assuming that the community is centered around your Substack, which is uh, BFFs. Unless yeah. there's something more, like correct me if I'm <laughs> wrong. But uh, could you tell me why did you start the newsletter, and you know what what doors have opened for you as a result of that happening? Yeah, that's a really good question. But I think it was really more of, well, to be honest, I started the podcast as a side project. Um, and now I need to make it into my full-time hustle. Yeah. <laughs> so there's there's that pressure of it. Um, but the more that I've interviewed a lot of guests, the more these themes kind of like show up every time I speak to the women friends that I've spoken up about and I'm like there needs to be an avenue for us to talk about it because at the end of the day the episode is really about their friendship even if we want to talk about the societal stuff we we can't really go as deep as we want right yeah. um so a lot of it 
a lot of the kind of like spark happened during those conversations with the guests. And then I realized that because I'm also in the process of kind of building a business um, out of this podcast, I realized that a lot of the communities online and the opportunities that I found are mostly based elsewhere, mostly in the US. I think because the VC landscape there is so much more mature. There's so many more material there, so many more amazing women VCs pushing for gender equality in terms of fundraising and stuff like that. And I don't see a lot of that here in Asia, or at least when I was starting my research, it was very hard to find them. I'm like, where were all these yeah. people? <laughs> and so I realized that if I'm having such a hard time, probably a lot of women are having a hard time who are in this region. And because I'm actively looking for it, I might as well just put it together in an email and share whatever findings um, I find. And so that's kind of like how I started BFFs. Um, for your listeners, that's really about business, friendships, and fun. So that's kind of like a good way, <laughs> a good plan words on the best friends forever uh, theme. So business, friendship, and fun is really kind of like the crooks, not only of the podcast. So now, you know, we always talk about business and friendships, but now when we're really starting to you know, grow a business, the funds portion becomes very, very important. And I feel like we're lacking a lot in that space in terms of education. I mean, there are amazing communities um, in other countries like Thailand or Vietnam or even the Philippines, but they're kind of like scattered. There's no, there's no way to find them unless you know the name or whatever. Or if you search online, the first thing that pops up are those that are available in the U.S. So that's one of the biases of the algorithm um, of Google, (laughs) right? Uh, Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, so to me, it's more of like, okay, if I find something that I'll collate them on a biweekly basis and share whatever I could find. Um, And so that's kind of like just really been it. It's, It's kind of like my journey and I'm just sharing it. And hopefully whoever wants to come and join that journey can be on the on the newsletter, which you can go to chiefbestfriends.com slash join. Um, and then the community is kind of like a third part of it, which I actually wanted to ask you about because I know you're building a community for pod lovers. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> um, the community is more of like a question mark at the moment because while I would love to create a community, how we think of communities are so different. They're very different types of communities and they serve so many different purposes. And I'm not trying to be the one and only community for female founders, but it's more of like what is missing in the community landscape available for female founders? and can I be in that space instead because Mm. I don't want to be another networking I don't want to be another platform where it's workshops every day (laughs) Um, right so I'm like okay so what's not being done and I want to be I want to do that Um, because I feel like there's a gap and currently I don't know what that gap is yet (laughs) (laughs) but that's really kind of like where where my headspace is at is that the community is a question mark it might not even be a community per se um Mm. so we'll see but that's kind of like all of the material that i've been researching lately is around community and specifically for female founders i can't really comment on community for female founders but at the very least, I can at least comment on community for podcasting, like the thing that I was trying to build before, which is the Podlovers Asia group. Uh, I paused that indefinitely as I wrapped up season two. Um, and the point of that group actually was to collect all of the podcasters based in Asia. 
I, I don't know for what. It was I just wanted to aggregate all of them and see what serendipity comes out of that. Mm. Um, and in the beginning, I made it a closed beta, so only a few people can come in, and we just wanted to test like you know replies, responses here and there, maybe just to get used to the tech and all that. And it turned out to be okay. It's a, it's a bit like um, it's a bit like Circle.so. It's a bit like that that mm. that uh, tool, and it was okay, but there was very little engagement and it. And as I was wrapping up season two, I had to do some personal stuff. So I had to pause everything pot lovers related. So season two actually ended quite abruptly and I had to just drop that group thing. So it's like currently now dead. And I wanted to I wanted to revive it and then not make it under pot lovers anymore. Mm. I wanted to make it a general Asia's podcasting group thing and have like either like a round table or a council of people who would help with either co-moderating or just being co-active on that group. And we can have many different podcasting groups centered under that one unifying umbrella of Asia's podcasting space. Right. So that's that's the angle where I'm trying to go for. So it, like, if we were trying to put the analogy to, say, female founders, if we have so many female founder groups and networks, I'm not trying to build a female founder group. I'm trying mm. to build a female founder ecosystem, and then the groups will be under there. Because right. then you can always traverse between groups and networks. Because they might be centered, they might be categorized by location, maybe by different industries, etc. Um, but yeah, that's for the podcasting thing. So I, I'm curious now. Not that you brought, not that you brought it up, because <laughs> I, I really want to see more communities in general and not be so Western centric that we have to look to the US yeah. when we're googling for these things. Um, what kind of, what what kind of female founder group aspects are you looking into? I'm assuming that you'd have to have a place for a discussion for networking, which is such a disgusting word to me, honestly, because I hate the word <laughs> networking. Connecting, no connecting is much better. Yeah. Exactly. Networking is just so... Ugh. Anyway. I yeah, let me add you to my LinkedIn network. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, I'd like to be in your circle. <laughs> Oh, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, uh, we can have a whole rant about LinkedIn. Oh, my goodness. A- anyway, um, female founders, do you want to have amazing discussions and or topics centered around specific industries? Do you want to cater for like events to a certain degree? And then you thread the community by the number of events and meetups, virtual mm. meetups that pop up. Is there like a, do you have like an imagination like or a visual of it in your head? Originally, I thought that I wanted to really moderate this community Um, but I feel like the thriving communities are moderated by the community members themselves right those are the the thriving ones so I've kind of like had to take a step back and realize what is this community is it something that I build uh, or develop or grow um, with let's say the subscribers of BFFs or because I read this book and they said that you don't build a community for the community, but you build it f- with the people, yeah, right? Um, and I totally believe in that because I don't just want to create and say like, hey, I built this community, come join me. It's more of like, what do you guys need? What What is lacking that you currently don't have? And the more that I've spoken to a lot of women, they, they're actually echoing the same sentiments that I have. It's like, yeah. they're tired of the networking stuff. They're tired of, you know, all of these panels. You go there, you, you listen to somebody, but you end up, like okay n- nothing right? yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, n- nothing happens in your life and so 
I feel like what a lot of women really need is an accountability. So when I think of chief best friends, right, we're always thinking co-founders. But at the end of the day, if you're starting a business, you might not even need a co-founder right now, but you need at least a group of women who will be there for you, knowing, going through the same. So I'm actually kind of thinking of more of an accountability group because I feel like there's really power in women who are kind of like going through the same motions. Like if I'm building a business, you're building a business. Even if we're solo founders, we can meet on a weekly basis. We give each other goals, uh, challenges, and make sure that, you know, we're accountable to whatever it is that we want to achieve. So for example, if I tell you, I'm so busy this week, I have to cook meals for my children, do homeschooling for them on Zoom, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, send my husband to work or something, like go to the Mars, all of these things. Plus on top of that, building a business. If you're going through the same thing, we're going to be able to brainstorm so much better about how do we really navigate these changes mm. as a woman, as a wife, and building a business. And then kind of like really, hey, maybe this week I can only create a blog post. Okay, let's meet next week. Uh, do you have ideas of that, pod, uh, of that blog post that you have? Give me three that you think you want. And then um, we meet next week and maybe you could share with me a first draft, you know, so kind of like very easy, easy things, small things. And for a lot of women, I feel like we're always we feel shame about whether or not we're doing good at work or doing good at home or in our family life. Right. There's a lot of expectations for us to be 100 percent in both areas. Um, and I want this space to kind of like be the place where we can break down, where we're not required to wear our biggest, brightest earrings, put on makeup and kind of show in the world like what most networking <laughs> Yeah. Um, events are all about it's like hey I'm the prettiest uh, bird in this flock or something <laughs> <laughs> right um, but it's really a place to just be vulnerable and really like hey you know like this week I feel like shit right yeah. and maybe that week all you want is for your other accountability person to be like oh my gosh yes I totally feel the same right um, and sometimes that's what gets you through whatever it is that's going on and for a lot of women maybe they don't have that maybe their their friends are just in a different stage of their lives or are you know have other responsibilities of their own but if you're able to find another woman and I mean that's the that's the beauty of the internet right now is that you could find someone literally anywhere in the world who is probably going through the same thing and you could kind of like be uh, each other's chief best friend, even if it's not business related at this point. But both of you are building a business together and holding each other accountable. So that's kind of like where I'm thinking of. It ties in really well with what I think being a chief best friend is. Um, I, yeah. I would imagine that would be closer to a mastermind group by then. Yeah. Because it feels like it, it feels like you are there to bear your vulnerabilities what you're right. going through and yeah. your intentions for the next week or I don't know what's you know the time frame for it I mean the way that I would see it is if you could do this through chief best friends you know like chief best mastermind or something like that or right? best <laughs> accountability yeah chief or best like, friends mastermind yeah, group <laughs> the, the, like the one like I, I think of it as cheerleaders right not, exactly not, yeah like cheerleaders for like in, in, in a world where you have to look the part to be part of the networking environment, which is absolutely ugh, um, yeah. for me. So having that would be great. You didn't even have to call it a community. Like yeah. you, even just starting off with something simple like a Telegram group and getting all the numbers of like your listeners and fans together and say like, hey guys, Nikki here from Chief Best Friends. Like I'm here and I want to be 
uh, a pillar of support for everybody who is going through. They want to start their own business. They want to thrive too, but they need a a cheerleader. They need a pillar of support. They need encouragement. They need an accountability partner. I'm building a little group here, exclusive. So just pop in your email or your number or whatever, and you can get right into it. And then from there, you can always reiterate, right? Correct. Yeah. Like not, Actually, not, I'll do that right after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like seriously, like. Like, I mean, Splice is doing it really well. Like, they already have the Telegram group. That's more yeah. than enough. They're not doing anything beyond that. Like, they yeah. have the event and the, all that. And I'm seeing that in other groups as well for, like, there's, like, a group for newsletters and there's a group for uh, other builders as well. It's just a very simple Telegram group. And yeah. sometimes, uh, even on Slack or something like that, they would have a hashtag work share group, mm. like, channel, which yeah. works really well. Like, you have no expectations doesn't matter the scale of your project or whatever, but you share what you've done and you yeah. have to link to prove it. It's like, oh, I did this I did this article. Yeah. And then everyone will come in and be like, oh, that's amazing. And then yeah. lots of feedback. So, you know, plenty of ideas, but I honestly think that if you're going to start this, I think you should start it within the, within the realm of your show, your brand, because you're growing it already with the newsletter and the show and you putting yourself out there. <laughs> and eventually you get all that sweet SEO of other yeah. amazing people wanting to get into a female founders network. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there'll be a way to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm glad you asked that question because I've been thinking about it a lot and kind of like going through my response, kind of like crystallized, okay, I think I kind of know what I need to yeah. do after um, I, I talked to you about that. Um, yeah. So yeah, actually the next issue is coming out next Monday. So maybe I'll tell them like, hey, I'm doing this thing. <laughs> yeah, put it right at the top and say, hey, we're getting yeah. a group up, right? Yeah. You can talk directly to me. Oh, it'll be so cool, right? <laughs> the chief of chief best friends. Like that's just pretty awesome. Is that what you call yourself? Or like when you introduce yourself to people it's like i'm the chief of chief best friends no but you know i had um my own personal site before called notoriously curious and i called myself the chief instigator (laughs) (laughs) so i think that's where it came from (laughs) can you please use that (laughs) um yeah hey yo guys this is your chief instigator right here Exactly. Oh my God. Now that I think about it, I think that's where it came from. <laughs> oh, I'm so making that part of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, we are coming up with time, but I can totally just like chat for a little bit longer later on. But I do want to zoom out a bit since you have been working on this mission, this willingness to want to instill the belief that friendship even in a business environment can work and it's possible and there are success stories and you know women have more than enough authority and ability and capability to actually thrive in this kind of environment so through the medium of podcasting so i thought i could zoom out a bit and ask you what have you been seeing actually in the asian podcasting scene from your perspective maybe in terms of how you're seeing listeners, how they react to you or where your listeners are coming from and or when trying to market your show either within Asia, since, you know, centered around Asia, what have been some of the barriers? Because I'm really curious about that. 
So believe it or not, a big majority of my listeners are actually from the US, UK, and Australia, even Ireland. I don't know why, but um, so they're all elsewhere and people are like, oh, it's so, it's so international. I'm like, no, but I think that's just because when you look at the podcasting audience, a big chunk still comes from the US, right? So it's crazy. So I think by virtue of volume, a lot of the listeners are going to be coming from there. Um, in Asia, I think it's a little bit tough because what I'm seeing, and this is just related to podcasting a lot. If you look at the like markets like Thailand, Indonesia, Philippines, Hong Kong, these are very celebrity-driven markets. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you get what I mean? So if you're just like a nobody and you start a podcast, it's very, very hard to kind of like get that 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 audience because people love celebrities so even if you're like an online celebrity you need to be a celebrity you know so even if you're in on instagram or you're on tiktok you need to be a celebrity in these markets so that's kind of like what i'm seeing it's just the natural uh i don't know psyche of the market these are and if you think about about it these are very heavily advertising driven markets as well so i feel like in order to really kind of like come out of the woodwork in these markets you have to do advertising for sure and you need to really package yourself up as a sort of mini online celebrity otherwise people are not going to be following you um that's just I, i feel that's that's the psyche of most of uh the market and i'm speaking of this because i come from the uh, come from the philippines right and this is what i i noticed uh for filipinos um but one of the good things that i also know um with these markets i mean even i mean before the global pandemic and all of that if they are radio listeners it's so much easier to convert them into podcast listeners because one of the things that i've noticed for a lot of the people i talk to they say i can't concentrate if it's just audio they need something visual to see either a video or whatever and podcast is kind of like not the medium that they would go after but if you have listeners who are already comfortable listening to radio maybe they're stuck in traffic for five hours like in manila (laughs) listening to radio is easy and then just converting that into a podcast right because right now a lot of radio djs actually start a podcast Um, so there again, but they're still a celebrity in their own right. Right. Um, so that's kind of like what I'm seeing, but I also don't see a lot of, um, women taking up the mantle and doing podcasting. I feel like podcasting is such a great medium for women because we don't need to put on makeup girls. (laughs) We just come in with our voice, talk to people and you kind of like have a show and for a lot of women, that's a big barrier. If you, you know, the, the looks is such a big portion of our gender. And yeah. if you become a YouTuber, that kind of like gets elevated and Instagram. I think that's why there's a lot of mental health now about these, you know, social media, very visual social media platforms. Um, so I feel like podcasting is not there yet, but I'm hoping that it does because it's so much more accessible for women. And I think like I shared in my recent Splice beta session is that for a lot of my guests as well, it's so much easier for them to say yes to a podcast because they know they don't have to do anything. They just need to show up in their computer, make sure that they have a mic on and that's it. They don't need to worry about, oh shoot, I need to get my hair done, my makeup done. I need to get new clothes. None of that things. Or I need to go on a diet so that I look slim in my picture. No. 
you don't have to do that. <laughs> right. So I, I feel like the voice is such a such an easy way to do it. Plus, it's such it's also a very intimate thing. Like if you think about it, we're both wearing headphones, right? And most listeners would be wearing headphones. We're like literally right up their ear talking yeah. to them. It's so personal. Yeah, I mean that's the magic of it, especially when I mean if we have this episode right now. Yeah. Like I always imagine between the two of us. I mean, we're we're in Zoom right now, but between the two of us talking, if we were at a table. We are talking and the listener is like right there next to us. Like yeah. I'm just talking right next to the person. And, you know, it's like we're at a bar and we're just talking about podcasting stuff and, <laughs> you know, what we're working on, etc. Uh, just to bring them in into the conversation. Maybe they won't be able to respond or anything like that, but they can observe. So yeah. for our listener right here, thank you so much for listening. Uh, since these are actual worries like these are actual things that we worried about a lot especially in the podcasting landscape and i do see it um a, a ton there may be I, i've seen a pickup in women podcasters in kl at least mm, yes i Not, noticed yeah um and more in was it india or nepal i can't remember i've seen a few case studies of that happening which is fantastic um and more is always welcome. So yeah. to be able to set the example for what a podcaster can be, like for your niche or yeah. for women as well. And just for anyone who has a voice that actually has a message they want to say out loud. Remember, podcasting isn't really as high as a, of a barrier as you think. Like you don't have to prepare so much. Like I'm in, <laughs> I'm in my shorts. Like I'm in my shorts. In my, in my I'm brother's in my bed. yoga wear. <laughs> yeah. It's, right. And then we're just talking and we like the only difference is like we probably have this exact same conversation even if we didn't have yeah. like a podcast recording. And yeah. the only difference probably is not have the microphones up because, you know, I'm sure that we can always just talk to each other normally uh, with like normal laptop uh, microphones. Microphone. But do we really want yeah, but to do, do that? Really? No, no. <laughs> I think after years of podcasting, uh, I, I've become quite particular about <laughs> the sound of my voice actually exactly yeah. yeah but you know now that you mention it you mentioned like india and nepal um i think that's one of the i guess beauty as well of the asian region is that english is not the majority language and that's kind of like i guess one of the barriers as well for podcasting for you to be able to traverse different markets right yeah. is that if a market is not heavily English speaking, then they wouldn't want to listen to an English uh, speaking podcast uh, versus like very markets like the US where everyone speaks English. It's so much easier to kind of just capture the market. But for a lot of the podcasters that I know in the Philippines, it's being done in Filipino. So, uh, right. Um, and that I think for the one in Nepal, it's in, in their own language as well. So, yeah then you, you're not able to enjoy a podcast from those places because it's like, oh, I can't really understand. Yeah. So I guess that's one of the barriers, but I think that's also the, the beauty of it um, is that, yeah, it's just, I don't know. I, I don't know really. But... It's, it's, yeah, it's, that's one of the things that we are starting to figure out more and more often in that because Asia's podcast ecosystem is a multilingual landscape, Mm-hmm. We can't fully see the potential of it. Yeah. Right? Like, how many listen? Like, if, if you're going to ask me, 
Ironically, I'm doing Paul versus Asia, but if you ask me, how many listeners are there in Nepal? I have no clue. Like, I don't speak Nepali. Like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. um, I, I can probably ask someone, like, the potential numbers. I know a few people I can probably ask. But that's as much, that is as much as I can provide when compared to the current standard. And that is, like, industry reports from the U.S. who have access to all of these, like, English-speaking listeners with a strong podcasting culture. And they're willing to do surveys because I'm not as willing to do surveys. I can't be bothered. I'm, I'm kind of a lazy guy that way. But they have these numbers and they can give you, like, near-perfect insight as to, oh, the U.S. dropped down in 20% listenership over the past few months. How can we get that level of data in any country in Asia? I have no clue. Yeah. I'm, I might be completely wrong, though, when it may be in larger listening landscapes like South Korea or China. That's actually a possibility. And maybe even mm. Taiwan. I need to actually In China, it's so crazy, right? The podcasting space. But, like, because I don't understand Chinese, <laughs> I'm just like, I don't... <laughs> but, yeah, it's yeah. so crazy. Like, I mean, now that you mentioned it, the, the multilingual thing... Like how we were unable to really see the potential of it because of uh, the language thing. But going back to that, because either you can start uh, a podcast in your own native language and be okay in just capturing your own, you know, market. For example, if I started podcasting in Filipino, then I better well be. <laughs> Most of my listeners should be from the Philippines, right? But a lot of people want to have a bigger audience bigger market than what's available to them so obviously english would kind of like be the natural thing but i guess going back to that a lot of people don't aren't comfortable in their english accent we've been conditioned to believe that the best accent are neutral english british english australian american right um and these are kind of like the gold standards when you attend uh, go for broadcasting right you yeah. need to have this kind of accent and probably that's one of the reasons as well why a lot of people don't want to go into podcasting because they in their minds it's probably oh i need to do this in english but i'm not comfortable in my accent and to be honest it's not just them but the listeners are we prepared <laughs> i know <laughs> i know it's um it's a it's a cultural bias right yeah yeah which is kind of sad but these are, I guess, real things. <laughs> well, we'll have to we'll have to deal with it. I mean, like even if the cultural biases, there's also the other notion of comparative success, since the most successful shows are in English, in an American yeah. accent, millions yeah. of dollars. So when you have someone from, say, Malaysia wanting to start a podcast in Bahasa Malaysia, one, your market is only limited to Malaysia as well as people speaking BM all around the world, yeah, which is not as big as the English-speaking audience, of course. And two, you don't have a, a similar comparative success as to people like Joe Rogan, but in Malaysia. Like, yeah. We don't have the infrastructure to provide that amount of capital to someone who can talk crap for four hours straight, right? Like, like know, We don't have that crazy. in Malaysia, right? <laughs> I, I mean, it's it, four hours. Yeah. <laughs> Four hours, man. Like I need to that's eat. That's half a work day. <laughs> yeah, that's hot. I need, I need to eat. I need to go to the toilet. I need to I need to order my food. Like oh my god, I need to water and everything. But yeah, four hours. Um, we don't have similar success stories in Asia, which I mm. think is we need to normalize that. Yeah, yeah. We we probably have to disrupt that a lot. Like by setting the example for, you know, like 
a podcast from the Philippines in different languages and or capturing the market in the Philippines for listeners. That would be fantastic. It'll be successful already. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be in the same scale or the same range as like podcasts that come from the US. Um, I think this is the one thing that I've been advocating a lot for recently, especially with a lot of interviews I've been on, is to change your definition of success mm. even before you start the show. Like it's it's not even before you start the show, but at least be aware of what success can be and then aim your show towards that. Like, yeah, I, it's going to be very hard for you to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be the next Joe. No, <laughs> Joe has a marketing team. He has three YouTube channels and he has a has hundred billion dollars, right? A hundred million, was it? A hundred mil, million a year, I think. Yeah. yeah. And from and from a yeah, hundred million dollar deal from Spotify, I believe, or a hundred million something. And he has star power. Right, just mm-hmm. goes back to what we said. Like celebrity-driven markets, the U.S. is no different. It's just that theirs is much more prevalent. Yeah, right? I think. Uh, what was it? Armchair expert. With oh yeah, Dax with Dax. Yeah, exactly. Right. You put Dax's name, and it's already there. Uh, Dobrik as well. Like you put these names up there, and it works really well. And we're still we're seeing this similar patterns, but of a smaller scale, and they are country specific. I'm sure, like especially YouTubers who transfer to podcasts as a medium. So, yeah, (sighs) I think we need to really celebrate being Asian because I feel like the, yeah, the the way that the internet is being built, Google itself, Facebook, Instagram, they're all the U.S. So obviously, all of the things that we're seeing online are all in the West. Even our concept of good books are all in the West, all from Western publications and so naturally we see experts ask these authors who start their own podcasts right like adam grant um but why isn't that happening in asia i feel like there's we need i guess it's a we there's so many things to do so so many (laughs) yeah we need to really embrace our asianness in that way but i think that's slowly changing um but I don't know if I'll if it's gonna be in my lifetime for me to see that, but I, I know it's sort of moving towards that direction where we're more like, oh yeah, I love, I love the Asian stuff. Yeah, I I, I think I think it will be like I think it would, it would. I have a prediction that it will be at least in the next few years, maybe a decade or two, to have our own bastion in this cultural war, which I will call a cultural war, where we have to fight for our attention being looked out to Western markets for items to consume or knowledge to pursue or figures to look up to. Right. Yes. So the war, yeah, it's all there. (laughs) So I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to start something guys. So, you know, for for our American (laughs) listeners, uh, please uh, uh, relax. Uh, (laughs) But to look more inwards and to look more, you know, local in terms of the amount of voices that we can potentially listen to and just, take an opportunity to give them a chance and listen to their shows because we have amazing voices like yourself, Nikki, to uh, provide us with a mission that you know we can wholly believe in the more that we have these amazing conversations in your show. So with that said, there are a few segments that I would like to close this chat off with at the end, if you are okay with that. Okay. So the first, <laughs> it's pretty, don't worry, it's pretty simple. The okay. first one is... If eyes are the windows to your soul, then your podcast playlist is the windows to your thoughts. So what has been on your podcast playlist recently? Oh my goodness. Okay, hang on, hang on. (laughs) I need to open my... (laughs) So 
to be honest, I haven't been listening to podcasts because I have been engrossed in audiobook and I'm currently listening to Helter Skelter. Helter um, Skelter. It's basically about the Manson murders. Mm. Um, and it's, I think, I don't know how many hours. And before that, I was listening to all of the Harry Potter audiobooks. So that's almost 116 hours. so that's those have been my playlist i'm so sorry listeners i've been (laughs) listening to audiobooks it's like my escape because you know i consume a lot of nonfiction content so my audiobooks are kind of like my escape and i tend Mm. to go for the fiction at least for the time being um but yeah but though to your point i have been listening to not exactly a podcast but um built to last which was done by buffer it's kind of like their audio conference i was just listening to that like a couple of weeks ago they basically created uh, a conference during the time of covid where it's not just virtual for them it's an audio so all of the sessions are in their podcast so to speak um so that's pretty exciting so i was just listening to it going through um, some of the sessions and a lot of them are really great i think there's only maybe five or six of it seven seven sessions nice yeah, built to last okay well of course we're accepting of any form of audio medium uh, as long as we are <laughs> listening to it um on our devices so yeah. all is well oh there's one more sorry i forgot acquired yeah. so i was speaking to a vc uh, a couple of weeks ago, and she told me this is her favorite podcast. So it's really about all of the different companies that have been acquired and what's different about them. So it's quite an interesting um, podcast. So I think these are the two that are top of mind for me. Okay, an acquired podcast. It feels like that's something really talked about on VC Twitter, which is uh, pretty <laughs> interesting. And yeah. the final question is... What would you like to see more of in the Asian podcasting scene? More women, please. <laughs> to me, that's really it. I feel like this is really um, a okay. medium for us that we can cultivate. All right. More women podcasters, producers, movers in the podcasting space. Yeah. Or of- guests, even. And guests as well. <laughs> so if you know any potential guests then you can always let either me or Nikki know. So Nikki, thank you so much. If we want to contact you or reach out to you for anything we talked about in this conversation or anything surrounding Chief Best Friends, what is the best way to do that? You can go to my website, chiefbestfriends.com and everything is there. You'll find links to join the newsletter, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, but it's Chief Best Friends everywhere except Twitter, but you don't need to worry about that. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. Twitter, best friends. Twitter, tw- your Twitter's a little bit different than Chief Best Friends, right? Yeah. I know, because <laughs> apparently it's too long, the characters. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Nikki, thank you so much. And I will see you on LinkedIn, or maybe I'll just see you on your show. So, yeah, thank you, thank you so much. And that is it my chat with Nikki Torres of the Chief Best Friends podcast extremely motivated to help women find their voice either in the VC world and or thrive in the startup and entrepreneurship movement. Nikki is here to tell you that friendships can thrive even in the realm of business and you can really be the chief best friends of your own company or your own business or your partnership, etc. 
So props to Nikki for being an amazing guest to have a conversation on. You can always reach out to her in the links that is provided in the show notes right below. So thank you for that. If you've enjoyed this episode, remember to subscribe and get the notifications for the next upcoming few episodes for Season 3 of Pot Lovers Asia. And with that being said, keep listening and I will see you in the next episode. Norm, out. The theme song is Hot Swing by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Covering the Asian podcasting scene. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Oh my God. Thank you so much. Oh, Thank that was you. fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you play the guitar? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. It's it's been a while. Um I use the guitar to um create instrumentals for one of my narrative shows. So <gasps> So cool. I don't know how you do it because I just trying to do a podcast by myself i'm just like oh there's so many things and then you're here doing so many shows and i'm like how do you do it <laughs> the the secret is that i don't sleep like <laughs> really yeah the the secret is that i have day shifts and night shifts that i chose to do mm. on my own like because my shows are my shows are my work my muse and my creative outlet yeah so that means i'm always here editing yeah. and even the guitar, like I mean, I played, I played all sorts of things, but I even use my guitar for one of the shows as well, and all these interesting conversations. Like it's not just Pot Lovers Asia, but like other shows as well. Yeah, uh, I would be here. Like my only, because because it's not just it's not only just podcasts. Like podcasts yeah. is just one. I call it a secondary medium, mm-hmm. but the primary medium of which podcasts are built on the foundation of is conversations. Yeah. So I. My hobby is conversations. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so gosh, just, I love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so cool. Do you have a YouTube channel? Because I mean, this this is kind of nice. I'm looking at. Um, I I have, and then I stopped. Actually, it's a bit. Let me see if I can find it. But it's it's like it was an. I, I think I was just making videos just for fun, and then I stopped. And I I was gonna start. Um, I was going to start it up again because I was going to house all of the shows that I work on on that one channel mm-hmm. as well as like other YouTube videos on either on podcasting or on things that I've read, etc. Yeah. Um, so I can work on it. It seems like an okay set. So Yeah, I love the honor at the back. <laughs> you know, I don't know who gave me that. Like It was some random some... gift. Yeah, it's some mysterious person. I don't know who sent it to me. Oh my God. This person was the foreshadowing, right? When yeah. you received this, you weren't into podcasting yet, was it? It was um it was it was when I announced on it was when I announced on uh Facebook that I was gonna launch a different show. Mm. So the show is called Anti Fool and I was Oh like, yeah, oh. I've seen, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I saw I, I I posted it and it was on it was a Facebook announcement, it was just like a like a uh like a thing. And later on, like I think two, three weeks after, I Received this in the mail, and all it wrote it didn't it didn't have a receiver. All it wrote was antifull, like antifull on air. Oh wow! Yeah, so I think I guess there's like a you have a admirer, godmother, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So pretty useful and uh, really helps a lot.